Now playing in Los Angeles, exquisite food and drink, world-class art everywhere, spectacular sports, dazzling Hollywood attractions. L.A. offers the full variety of food scene, from game-changing taco trucks to 35 Michelin stars. And did you know that Los Angeles has more museums and theaters than New York City? Get your fix in music, film, comedy, and world-class museums. Plus, get behind the scenes in movie magic with a world-famous studio tour. That's something that should be on everyone's bucket list. Start here with discoverla.com. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cash back isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or a midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And there are no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Grief is the receipt uh, and the proof that you loved. That, that is why you grieve. You, you loved. Hey, everybody, it's Rob Lowe. This is literally. Uh, I'm very excited about this particular episode because it's one of my dearest friends, Nicole Avant. She has got an amazing memoir coming out called Think You'll Be Happy, Moving Through Grief with Grit, Grace, and Gratitude. This story you're about to hear is unbelievable. Nicole comes from a legendary entertainment family. Her father um, has a documentary about his life on Netflix right now called The Black Godfather, Clarence Avant the chairman of Motown Records, and Nicole herself has lived an amazing life. She's the ambassador to the Bahamas, appointed by President Barack Obama. She's married to Ted Sarandos from Netflix. Just an amazing, amazing woman, an amazing, amazing life. And I, I think you're really going to like this talk. having a girlfriend oh my goodness we finally did it i know we're here i'm so excited about this <laughs> i know so why it's so weird um so we have known each other well i mean the first time we laid eyes on each other was the early 80, 80s early 84 maybe wham years wham <laughs> show me do you have the photo <laughs> i have the photo i have the photo hold on okay. right here and this was us. So you're 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 in Beverly Hills High School. Beverly High, mid eighties. Oh mid- my god! <laughs> Look at the bleach jeans. The white bleach jeans <laughs> tucked into the black boots. Look at how cute you are. Which the, the okay? Now wait. Now who's that? that? Melissa Paul. Melissa Paul. That's Katya Sassoon. Yes. Now is that Laura Wasser? That is freaking Laura Wasser. I am so glad I behaved myself. <laughs> Laura Wasser is the number one def- <laughs> divorce attorney in the world. Yes. Like, you don't want Laura Wasser on your phone sheet. <laughs> Every time Ted runs into her and 
look, LA, she says, hey, how you doing? We're good. We're good. We're good. Stay away from us. We're great. Do you know I've known Laura since we were three? We went to nursery school together. And this is the party I crashed? Yes, you crashed. And all of us freaked out. Oh, my God, Rob Lowe's here. Oh, my God. Katia was in love with you. Everyone was in love with you. And I remember just standing there frozen. Oh, my God, that's Rob Lowe. That's really Rob Lowe. I mean, that's when you were, you this, know, this, we were coming of, off of the outside, of, all of it. We were coming, of pack. Yes. Where, where was, where did, I, I love the notion that I'm running around crashing people's birthday parties <laughs> in the 80s. And I don't remember who you were with. You were with somebody else. It could have been Robert Down. I don't know. You were with somebody famous. Was this the club that Prince used to go to all the time? In the basement? In the basement. I think so. Of the Beverly Center. Of the Beverly Center. I think it was there. And I remember going to the Roxbury, knowing, (laughs) going into the back, because my fake ID wouldn't work. And it was probably those stupid acid jeans that I was wearing. But I I knew the busboys because I used to work down the street. My mom always had me be a waitress somewhere. So the beauty was they would take out the trash. He'd let me know what time he took out the trash. And then I would go in the back and go through the kitchen. Thank oh. God my friend Brad Johnson, God bless him. He was running Roxbury at the time. He would just smile, just pretend he didn't see me. Like, what? How did you get in again? <laughs> but how good was the Roxbury? Well, how about that? I remember before the Roxbury, mm-hmm. this sounds like the lamest idea for a club <laughs> ever I'm about to lay on you. I used to go every Wednesday night to what became the Roxbury, but Wednesday night, it was called the Boss Club. Oh, God. And it was only Springsteen music. Really? Yes. Oh, I love that. I mean, can imagine, I like, the, there? it's the whitest club in the history. <laughs> Just dancing in the dark in the 80s. But how good was that? I remember going to that concert, I think at the Coliseum. I think he was at the Coliseum. Yeah, he was. And that was one of the best shows I had ever seen. And we had nosebleed seats. I asked my dad at the last minute, and I had to go, though. I, it was my favorite album. I had to go. I went to every concert in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, so your your dad, Clarence, yes. who we just lost, what, a month ago? A couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I was so glad that I got to, to know him. I know. But I feel like I'm the only person who didn't know everybody. He's literally I know. the godfather. I know. But at least you got to hang out with him a couple of times and see him right when he needed the most love. Yeah. And you came over and you were the, you and Cheryl were the one of the some first people up here in Santa Barbara to come to visit him. And remember, I had kind of moved him up here. Yeah. After my mom died and he, you were the first person he met that lived up here. And he loved when I would come home and tell him all these stories about you and Cheryl and Ted. And I, I show him all these pictures. You guys are crazy. Look at you. You're crazy. But, but he loved that we had fun. And he, he had such a joy for living and someone yes. who has accomplished. Yes. I'm always amazed at people who've accomplished historic things like your dad did mm-hmm. and who could just as easily be disconnected, you know, yes. sort of on their pedestals and their worlds getting smaller and smaller. And he never, never did. He was like curious, mm-hmm. always curious to the end. Always. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And could talk to... You know, whether you were the janitor in the White House or the president in the White House, to him, nobody was different. You know, nobody, everyone's valuable. That was his lesson to me is everybody is valuable and everybody has, everybody has a role to play. And the fact that people disconnect from others because, oh, what can they do for me? Oh, well, they're not really. Everybody serves a part in this life. 
And nobody is better than anybody and no one is less than everybody. We all say it, but we really, you could see now we're not really living that anymore. Everyone's looking at their phones. We're not looking at each other. We, you know, look at somebody who's making the coffee as somebody less than, or again, this false idea of somebody being insignificant because of their position was something that my father drilled into me early because he said, you know, that is so wrong. And he lived it. I mean, my dad was picking cotton and tobacco as six years old in North Carolina. And, you know, so that's 1937. And yeah, so, you know, 1937 segregated America was not fun for him and no peace for him. And he, but he never let anything stop him. He, I mean, perseverance really is his middle name. He just was, I have a life to live. And I'm going to live it every day as best as I can. And then as he moved forward and doors opened up for him, he decided, you know what? Um, then this is my role that I'm going to keep the door for as open for as many people, especially my people as possible. And that's why he became known as the Black Godfather because he got involved in every area and was really focused on fairness and people succeeding and he loved being an entrepreneur and he believed in the American spirit of entrepreneurism and, you know, really progress, American progress. What are his, what are of all his, your Clarence's accomplishments? Mm -hmm. Give me the ones that blow your mind the most. Oh gosh. And this is a super hard question. You know, you know, it's interesting. There's, I was just talking about this the other day. There was, he had this jazz artist. He was managing Jimmy Smith. And he was an organist and he was great. And there was a really very uh, famous jazz producer, Creed Taylor. He was managing him at the time. And Jerry Moss. We just lost. Yes. So Jerry Moss heard the production, said he wanted to make a deal with Creed Taylor. And my father made the craziest deal. I think at the time it was $35,000 a year. And my dad ended up getting him, you know, a couple of years, but the contract was for $450,000. What? Yes. In the sixties, it was unheard what, of. What for a jazz artist? Yes. But my father, it was for a jazz uh, uh, producer, but my sure. dad's point was, Nicole, you know, Joe Glazer, his mentor taught me, you know what? You take the elevator up and then you walk down. You just ask for what you want. And the worst thing that can happen is it's no. Who cares? So he always, his mantra all my life was, if you don't ask, you don't get. Every time I complained about something, if you don't ask, you don't get. So he was a killer negotiator. Beyond. I mean, everything. And, and he did, you know, he solved problems for everybody. And, but it's been Michael Jackson trying to get out of this deal when he did, you know, there was something with E.T. And then he did this song and everybody was complaining about this deal. And that. he just, he knows he was just a master negotiator, and he, but he really genuinely wanted all people to win. He always told me the good deal, Nicole, is when everybody gets at least a little bit of what they came to ask for. So his transition into politics, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. was probably around the civil rights movement because he was right in the thick of mm-hmm. it. He'd already had his career was already yes. big time in yes. Beverly Hills, Hollywood, yes. music. Yes, and then the civil rights movement happens, and he's he's like at the front row seat. Mm-hmm. He is, and he knew he knew Dr. King, Andrew Young. He knew, and still friends. Andrew Young has been one of our oldest and dearest family friends. And my father decided right then and there, okay, 
I'm not in the march, but I can. You need funds, by the way. If you uh, have yeah. a movement, you need funds. Yeah. So my father was providing funds. He was organizing people to provide cars, hotel rooms, everything. He said, you know, the whole thing is a system. You have to be working together. Dr. King would say, okay, we're going to be in, you know, Selma. We're going to be here. We're going to be there. And this, this is, these are the places that will allow us to stay. These are the Negro hotels. These are the car services that are owned by Negroes. This is where we need to. And my dad was right there. And that was his contribution to the civil rights movement in that way, which is very Clarence. Because he was like, you know, if I go out and march, you know, he says it in his documentary. If I go out and march and somebody hits me, I might hit them back. I don't, I, I, I don't know how great I'm going to be in, on the front lines. Interesting. Yeah. The Black Godfather, you can see it now. On Netflix, I mean, it's it's an evergreen. That thing yeah. will always yes. be on the queue. Yes, it's it's. And if really, it isn't, you're going to tell Ted to put yeah. it on the queue. <laughs> it's actually, you know, I think it got a, after my dad passed, of course, and people started all the tributes started rolling in, and I think there was a new, you know, curiosity about him, which was beautiful. So I'm so happy that I was able to do the film while he was alive. Jerry Moss is in it with him. Abe Summer is in it with him. We lost Jerry and Abe within 72 hours. Clarence, Jerry, and Abe, Summer, all left. So the giants, it, it, giants it's, of it's, the music and business. It, it's and Jerry and Abe really were true staples in my life. They weren't just my father's best friends. I mean, Quincy is his best best friend and his brother. But Jerry and Abe and Clarence met in New York City in the '60s. They came to LA at the same time. Every time my father, you know, there's a. I was just telling the story the other day that, um, you know, my dad had lost Sussex Records. He Everything was folding at the time. Sussex Records, he had signed Bill Withers. He had lots of hits. He was doing great, but he overextended himself. So then he got into the radio station business. He owned the first Black-owned radio station in Los Angeles. But my dad started putting his hand everywhere. And one thing after another, it just, he couldn't keep up. And the beauty of their relationship is, so Jerry Moss knew this, and he called my dad over to the studio lot at A&M, and he said, hey, you know, I, I want you to look at this contract and we're having this problem. My dad said, sure, sure, let me look at it. He goes, mm, you know, uh, here's this envelope. Why don't you just take it home and look at it at home? I said, well, I could read it right here. I just drove to the lot. No, 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 you know, Herbie and I want you to look at it at, it at home. So my dad says he got back in the car and, you know, he's a pretty stern man. He's very stoic and didn't show his feelings a lot. And he said, Nicole, something told me to pull over. and." He pulled over the car on his way home and opened the manila envelope. He said, and inside was a fake contract and a letter from Jerry with a check. And he said, this is from me and Herbie. Pay us back when you can start over again. Oh my God, that's And amazing. it's amazing. And he started Taboo Records and then signed the SOS band at first. It was Take Your Time, Do It Right. <sighs> that big song in the 80s. So that, and it went number one. So it was huge for my dad because then it put him back on. And then from there, he started managing Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and then LA and Babyface and on and on and on. Everybody just kept coming. You know, Whitney Houston, everybody would start coming to the house and wanted to renegotiate and wanted to work. And I mean, Clive Davis is part of that group too. Again, knowing my father in the 60s, still friends till the very end. So there's that really great group that I got to grow up with. David Geffen and, you know, Irving Azoff and uh, Clive Davis and Abe Summer and Jerry Moss and Herb Albert. I mean, all these 
uh, Mr. Gordy was, they're oh. all staples. I mean, and Smokey Robinson was there and. What a, what a life. It was incredible. And there was a few of them that moved to Beverly Hills at the same time. So we weren't, you know, that it was, I remember it clearly. It was a few, Dr. Query was there, Dr. McPherson, uh, Dr. Williams, and then oh, the Robinsons. I know. And it was great because most black doctors lived in Baldwin Hills or most. Baldwin Hills like the, the Beverly Hills. Hills. Yes. The, for African-Americans. Yes. And right. then we, you know, my dad fell in love with Truesdale because Abe Summer took him there early 60s and they went to a party at Dinah Shore's house. And my dad said, where is this? What is this? And they said, it's Truesdale, Truesdale Estates. He said, Jackie, if we ever make enough money, if we ever can get here, we're going to live here. And of course, they didn't have enough money for the down payment, but his mentor, Joe Glazer, God bless him, gave, because my dad said, oh, we're going to go buy in Baldwin Hills. And Joe says, what the fuck is Baldwin Hills? (laughs) When you're moving to Beverly Hills, my dad said, I don't have the money. He said, I didn't ask you that. And then there, you know, and I think that's where my dad, you know, another one of his isms is, you know, I don't have problems. I have friends. And it's, it's so true because you look at his trials and his tribulations. We all have them. Everyone has different ones. And my dad went through a lot. But the one thing that he always reminded us of was he had really great friends that actually showed up and did the work and really showed up instead of just talking like, oh, I'm here for you. Sure, call me when you need me. Jerry Moss didn't ask him anything. He just gave him this. He gave him a check. Pay me back when you can. And then later on, my dad, he became chairman of Motown Records in the 90s. And, you know, he could start paying people back. And he did. What What was it like for you growing up in Beverly Hills with a dad like that? Mm-hmm. I mean, how many black families were there in Beverly Hills? There were. And you went to Beverly Hills High School. I went to Beverly High. I went to Hawthorne Elementary. So I was. I went to the school system at five. So from kindergarten. All the way. And Laura Wasser and I, like I said, so we started, we were friends in nursery school from three. Oh my God. And then went all the way through Beverly together. And it was great. You know, Beverly Hills was different at that time. I mean, Jimmy Stewart was living there. Ella Fitzgerald was living there. there and they would walk. They would walk around town. Dean Martin. Yes. Oh, Jimmy Stewart used to walk to the church on, I think it's Cannon and, yeah. and Santa Monica. But you'd see them dressed Always dressed. Immaculately. Immaculately. Gene Kelly. Yes, everybody. Gene Kelly lived, right, I think, on Cannon, also close to the Beverly Hills Hotel. They would all walk around in the flats. And it was beautiful because everyone was dressed to the nines. Everyone, there was a, you know, children were children and adults were adults. I think that's the difference now. Everybody has kind of jumped in together, which is not working so great for society. But... That's another conversation, but it uh, it was great to see people like that. But put it this way, adult, Rodeo Drive at that time was purely for adults. Like I didn't want to have anything to do. You know, right. that was oh my gosh, my mom would go there, and I would. Yeah, you're not going. Wait. Yeah, you're not going to get no Georgios. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like, you're like, yeah, yeah. And now it's. You mean you weren't taking selfies there? <laughs> it's just traveling all the way <laughs> to take a selfie and turn around and go no, home. Exactly. It was, um, but it was, it was really great because there were, you know, like I said, the, the black families that were there, Barry Gordy was there, Smokey Robinson and Claudette were there, uh, Diana Ross was there, um, Amazing. let me think, and, 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 you know, a few doctors that I mentioned, but we all were close, we were connected, 
I never had any issues growing up there. I never had any issues being a black person. Thank God. And you know, we just didn't. Thank God. I I never was attacked or bullied or anything like that. You know, I I I, I had a really really great childhood. I'm very very fortunate to have grown up in the house that I did around the people that I did because honestly, Rob. Yes, they were famous people. I mean, Hank Aaron, all of them. I mean, my dad did his deal with Coca-Cola. Talk about a master negotiator. Wow, I mean, Hank Aaron and Coca-Cola, that is, yeah, it was, that's a, a groundbreaking. Yeah. And Athletes my, didn't do that. No, my dad said, you know, he called Andrew Young. He said, do you, do you know this guy? Because he he's about to break Babe Ruth's record. If he's about to break his record, he needs an endorsement deal. Does he not have anything ready? So I don't think so. So that's how they met. And then my dad famously walked up to the president, got into the president's office somehow, and then basically said, ends, <laughs> drink, drink Coca-Cola too. <laughs> 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 and got him a huge endorsement deal. And, you know, Hank Aaron says there would be no Hank Aaron without Clarence Avon. And when he said that, and it's, it's probably the best thing that came out of that documentary was, oh, this was really huge. There would be no Hank Aaron without Clarence Avon. But you know what Hank did? He took all of that endorsement money and he and his wife gave it all back. They put, they've been putting children to school forever, for decades, put, giving people scholarships, again, paying it forward. And I think that's the difference. When I was growing up, the, the famous people that would come over, they didn't use their fame for themselves. It wasn't about themselves. It was about what are we going to do with this great blessing that we have? What are we going to do with our fame to better other people's lives? And they didn't care about magazine covers or any of that. They didn't, they didn't care. They really wanted to do other things and great things and pay it forward for other people. And Sidney Portier was like right in there too. And, you know, they were in Beverly Hills too. And he was, again, it was, they were these giants of souls, though. They were larger than life to the average person. But to me, they were activists. They were really and just... And people who you'd see in your living room. Yeah. And they, and they never talked about themselves. It was always children in this part of the world need food. This person over here needs this. Or, you know, we're going to make these movies. And they would laugh. And, and, but they, they would be joyous and grateful but they never forgot where they came from, but they also never allowed that to be a crutch. So they didn't live, you know, the idea that people even suggest now that there hasn't been a lot of progress in the last six years. That is a very offensive thing to say to people who actually were marching and would be, you know, have bricks thrown at them or, you know, do sit-ins for you or walk 20 miles so you can have your civil rights. And then to say that there has been no progress. That's just, you know, you, you got to think of the people that were there. Like to my father, that was very offensive. Yeah. Tell me. Uh, yeah, you, he you would look at me like, oh, really? Really? There hasn't been? Because when I was waking up when I was young, I was looking behind me for mobs all the time. I, I woke up, you know, I was part of a generation that when I woke up we and, and I walked to school, my mother and my aunties made sure to tell us, remind us every day, do not look up. Can you imagine? And when I asked why, I said, because you didn't know if you were going to see somebody lynched. You didn't know if you'd see somebody hanging from a tree. I mean, this is real. And it's, it's just a fact. It's not to go sit on it. It's not to, 
be woe is me. It's not going. It's just know your history, own it, and but don't forget it because you. Ha- it's the best way to honor the people that came before you to do everything for you. Everything that I have right now, I'm very well aware that there are people that I will never be able to thank in person, but I have never forgotten them. And for me to get up every day and work and give back and live my life to the fullest, that's the greatest thing that I can give to people who came before me to make sure that I can live the life that I live now. That's amazing. And it it leads me to thinking about your dad who grew up not being able to look up on his yeah. way to going to school yeah. and then accomplishes what he accomplishes, but he never let that horror like eat him alive and no. never lost his optimism. No. Like super optimistic. Beyond. 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 Super optimistic, like no, not I'm a victim. No. Oh, he hated that. He hated that. Oh, no, no, no. He hated I, the victim every stuff, time right? I tried to, every time I tried to go into that, both my parents were very good at, oh, no, 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 we're not playing that card now. I mean, my mom would look at me, her mantra was, you sink or you swim, pick one. But that's it in life. You sink or you swim. And she was great because she really, she loved history. So I was steeped in history. I loved watching documentaries with her. I'd watch 60 Minutes with her. I'd watch various movies. She loved the arts. But she put me, uh, there was this camp called the Olympic Boys and Girls Club. And it was in Westwood at Uni High. (laughs) And I was in there, I think I started in 1975. And it was great because it was the girls and the boys separate, but you had to compete. And she wanted me to learn how to win and lose and how to behave and be graceful when I won, you know, try to figure out what happened if I lost. But her whole point was I put you in sports because you needed to understand how life is. You're going to have ups, you're going to have downs, and I want you to compete against yourself. You don't need to compete against other people, but you are always in competition with yourself. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Becoming your strongest financial self? Good plan. Northwestern Mutual's Guide to Good Financial Planning can help you balance spending and saving, set goals, and start creating the life you want to be living. Get it today at northwesternmutual.com slash good plan. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics, because that's who we are.
I want to start to talk about the book that you have coming out, but I I would like you to walk me through the the events that led to you having to write the book in the first place. Yeah. So my book is called Think You'll Be Happy, Moving Through Grief with Grit, Grace, and Gratitude. And I actually started after The Black Godfather, I would do you know, we would do screenings at places and Q&A. And there was a publisher in the audience and she said, you know, you have a book. There, there should be another book after this documentary. I love, I love what you're putting out into the world. And I said, I don't know what it should be about. I'm not sure. People have always suggested that. And so she said, start thinking of the themes in The Black Godfather. And, I, and then I meditated one day. And what came to me was grit, grace, and gratitude. They all had that. And the grit is everything, which is opposite of victimhood. You know, it's the opposite. And it's the grit that you need. And grit is everything about America, by the way, for all races. Everybody who's an American and who's who's moving through this life, you have grit. I mean, we we, just do. We have this, you know, besides our imagination that I think is the best, you know, Americans just have this beautiful, all of us of, yeah, why not? Sure, why not? Why not? Yeah, we could do that. It's it's something that most people don't have, which is why everybody comes from around the world to be here. It's really we not... do have the energy of yes, okay. Even when things are wrong, even when things are unjust, even th- when things are bad, we turn around and okay, no, we're not doing that anymore. Yep, we're not doing that. This is that's a wrap. So, <laughs> so, uh, so anyhow, I was writing on grit, grace, and gratitude, and then unfortunately, uh, intruder. Somebody came to rob, was rob, he had a few houses, I guess. Um, he robbed my parents' house. He broke into their house early morning on December 1st. And unfortunately, my mom was probably five feet away in the kitchen from where he broke in. And it was probably, I don't know, probably, according to, to the officials that I've spoken to, no more than three minutes of an encounter. I mean, to the point at least where she had scared him enough where he left. But unfortunately, he had a rifle and he did a round of shots and and one of them hit her in the back. And I I had, thank God, I had spoken to her. I called her that day and I, I called her around 4.45. I remember and my dad said, she's sleeping and she's very tired today and I'm not not sure why she's so tired. And then he laughed because we're getting old though. So we take a lot of naps. And I said, dad, you know what? There is a school shooting today in Michigan. I go, and you know how mommy gets, she gets, she gets very upset. She, she really was having problems with why are all American children shooting each other? I can't even imagine what parents are going through because I never once thought when I dropped you and Alex off at school, I never once thought for an, a million, in a million years, some, I was going to get a call that there was somebody came in and shot the whole kindergarten class. It's unthinkable. Yeah. And so I said, you know, that's probably it, Dad. He goes, oh, you're right. I'm watching it on CNN now. So my mom had texted me. I was getting into the bath. I remember exactly. She had texted me um, around eight o'clock. We were laughing and she said, it's time to come get your sweet potato pie from Thanksgiving that my dad, of course, took home. He took my pie home for himself. And it's interesting when we talk about intuition a lot, I started to be sarcastic in my text back to her. 
was like, oh, mom, okay, you and this sweet potato pie. And I swear to God, my intuition was like, do not send that. She's not going to think that's funny. And thank God I listened. I delete, delete, delete. And then I made a joke like, hey, mom, okay, I'll think about it. And I'll, I'll, I'll call you tomorrow. You know, uh, I called you earlier. Dad said you were sleeping and then gave her her favorite emoji. And she wrote back, okay, think you'll be happy. Those were her last words to me. Think you'll be happy. I got into the bath and two something in the morning, Ted called me and he said, uh, babe, you have to get up. Your mom's been shot. And I said, you know, and then you freeze. I go, what? what? And then I, I'm assuming they're out to dinner because I couldn't even track what time it was. I go, what? He goes, Nicole, seriously, your mom has been shot. You have to get to Cedars. I said, shot? Wait, what? Ted, he goes, Nicole, I don't have the, I don't have it. I, I just know your mom's been shot. They were trying to call me. I had my phone in the other room and they, I, I mean, it was next to me, but I had my phone off and I, something kept telling me, something kept telling me, you know, Ted, my, I'd missed probably 10 missed calls from my brother. And he finally got to Ted. Ted was at a work retreat. Thank God, still in LA. So not far. And he goes, get in the car. I'm going to meet you at Cedars. And then I walked into Cedars, saw my dad sitting there, almost 91. My dad was two months shy of 91. So he's sitting there in shock, not understanding what's going on. Very optimistic to your point. So he said, oh, you know, she's in surgery. I said, daddy, what happened? Oh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, because he was on the other side of the house. He wasn't anywhere near her. She was in the kitchen. So he didn't break in near their bedroom. Thank God. Uh, but yeah. So, and then from that moment, they, you know, it's like exactly like you see in TV and movies. They, the guy comes out, come to the back room. And I knew that look. I said, oh no. Isn't it? Uh, it's, 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 you know the look. It's, it's the look. And everybody knows the look. And I, he said, the doctors want to come see you. And I said, oh, he said, well, we're going to go back to this room. And as soon as he said this room, in my heart, I said, this is not good. And everyone was still trying to be optimistic. And we sat down and I don't remember this, but Ted says, as soon as they said the words, she did not make it. My brother wailed. I do remember that, like, you know, as if he was like an animal that's been pierced. And then my father fell onto me. And then Ted said, I sat up straight, completely like an arrow. And I guess I kind of became her. All of a sudden, I just started delegating. Okay. You know, I looked at my brother's girlfriend, get him out because I don't, you know, I understand that he's traumatized, but my dad, I got to take care of my dad. I just went into the focus of, I got to take care of this 91 year old man who's just become a widower and, you know, his wife was murdered. I mean, it's unbelievable. It it was, it, it was so shocking and to say the least. And I, I just, I had my dad drive with Ted because, again, he had taken a separate car. I said, Ted, get my dad in the car. I'm going to drive home. He goes, Nicole, you can't drive. He goes, I can drive. I need to talk to my mom. I just need to talk to my mom. And that's what I did on the way home. I go, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to do my very best. And I don't really know what happened. And I hope this is a bad dream. And I hope I wake up soon. But mom, you know. I, I said, I just remember saying, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best. And then I kept quoting as much scripture as I could, that I could remember. 
And it, and then I remember being in such a daze that there was somebody behind me and there was no one on the streets. It was six o'clock in the morning, maybe if that, and the light turned green and I must've not, you know, I was in shock and this guy blared to the point where, and then I'm apologizing to him, but there was nobody on the street and it was so, and that actually, that's when I started crying. His blaring on his horn, like get out of my effing way. And it was so, and then it was just this feeling of this cruelty, this cruel energy. I'm calm down. And I pulled over and just wailed, just shaking. And then I got home and I got my dad upstairs and I said, dad, I have no idea what to do with this. And, but I do know that we have to keep the faith and I do know that we are going to get through this as a family. And I'm not saying the pain's ever going to go away, but wounds do heal. You know, we'll have scars, but I'll do my best. And we kind of created new routines with each other. I'm struck with, thank you for sharing that. That's just, I mean, I'm struck with the solve even in that initial horrifying shock, unimaginable yeah. moment being, we'll get through this, we'll be together, like all, again, all of the positives. And by the way, and not even, I've never heard you once, like in the anger or bitterness that you must have felt because you're human. Yes. But like, you don't go there. And, mm-hmm. and that's one of your great um quotes about about the book is like yeah. you won't let the anger at no. the gunman no consume no. you or tarnish the legacy of your mother no. or or how she left this earth or no. or any of that stuff and that that's amazing. it was my first prayer in the car i said god please don't let me hate this man please do not let me hate this man i don't i don't want to i don't want to know the name i don't want to see the face but i will not let i was furious i had never felt Fury, actually. I was furious. I mean, I wanted to throw everything, hit somebody. I I was furious. I mean, consumed with it. And I thought, oh my God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make myself sick. I'm gonna make myself sick. So I don't want this poison. I don't want this dark matter, this dark energy that showed up. The best way that I can love my mom and honor my mom is to move forward in the best way that I can. Some days I move forward quickly and some days I was like a snail. You know, there were some days where I prayed for wisdom. Some days I prayed for peace. Some days I prayed for energy. Some days I prayed for it all. And some days I didn't, you know, there was maybe one day that I didn't get out of bed and my father looked at me and I came down for dinner at 6.30 and he said, I understand where you are, but you can't keep doing that. And I knew exactly what he meant. He goes, if you stay in bed for five more days, you'll never get out. You'll, it's quicksand. I mean, he knew. He's like, despair is a horrible energy that will, you'll only end up in the quicksand. You have to know what it is. So he said, you cry it out. We could go on walks. So he created this new thing with me. He said, we're going to walk in the backyard. We're going to take a walk. We're going to listen to music together. So I started playing, playing my 1980s, my playlist from 1976, which is my favorite. Yeah. And then I did the 80s, which made me happy because he was great. He said, what, what, do you, what do you think about when you think about mom? What are your favorite memories? I said, oh, 
always begging her to go to a concert. You know, I need to go see the Culture Club. I need to go see Duran Duran. I need to go see you too. I need to go see the police, whatever it was. She goes, oh, really? Well, hmm. Oh, well, it seems like you have a D in geometry. Oh, that's too bad. You're not going to be able to go. All of a sudden, I got an A in geometry. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. She I was very she... good at the barter. Oh, she was very good at, really, you would like this? I mean, everything. Mom, I really don't want to live in a dorm anymore. I've been living in a dorm for a year. Well, Nicole, then you can, I'll help you get an apartment. You have to have, go get a job. And I need these grades. And if you do that, then I'll help you get an apartment. Otherwise, you can enjoy the dorm with all the boys. It. It, was, it was great because she always made me work for things, which was, a habit that now I look back and think, thank God. And she always had me in service. So she had me waitressing, you know, where they would take me 16, 18, 20. And it was a game changer. And she, she was right. She's, I don't think, do kids at 16 no, everybody get jobs wants, now? No, they all want to wait for an internship. At 20. <laughs> I mean, my mom got me out of that house at 18. She's like, goodbye. Bye. I mean, bag to bye. I didn't even go for it. I went to Cal State Northridge. She could not wait to pack my bags. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but but she was a game changer because she said, when you have to serve people, you will see the best of humanity and you will see the worst of humanity. And she was right. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Ecucinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Becoming your strongest financial self? Good plan. Northwestern Mutual's Guide to Good Financial Planning can help you balance spending and saving, set goals, and start creating the life you want to be living. Get it today at NorthwesternMutual.com slash good plan. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. And the, the shooter's serving three life sentences? Yeah, I think it's um, 190. Yeah, yeah, 190. whatever it is. Yeah, something. something. He'll never yeah, get out. No, but, well, and he shouldn't. That was my letter to the judge of, listen, yes, my family is shattered. Yes, we're devastated. All of that. More importantly than us, I my prayer is that this person cannot do this to another family. That is my prayer. That so this is why I'm asking just for whatever, because 
this is horrific and nobody should have to go through it. People go through it. I understand, you know, we're not uh, special people. It can, you know, because people would say to me, can you believe this happened to you? Can you believe this happened to your family? Can you believe this? And I thought, you know, at first, and then I sat on it and I went, well, why not us? Why not? I mean, bad things happen all the time. Bad things happen to good people all the time. But, you know, it, 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 Bad things happen all the time. You know it. You've lived through it. Accidents, addictions, this, that. Things happen to people. You know, we're on the planet Earth. So none of us get to skate and not think that we're not going to have a challenge to overcome. None of us get to. That's why we're here. That's why we're here, to learn the lessons. And and my mom, thank God, she was always eternal. She was she was always basing reality on on eternity, which was great for me. So she would remind me, this part is temporary, Nicole. The earth is temporary. Home is the other. That we, you, you come from the other side to come here and go to school. Learn your lessons. You're, you hope your soul grows. You have your challenges. You're here to overcome them. The soul is everlasting. And that's really was her basis for me, but it helped me through this she, trauma. How did she know that, you think? She... She studied everything mm. and she really did. She studied everything. I mean, she, she has, you know, she was raised me as a Christian and, but she dabbled in, you know, she, she studied everything. I shouldn't say dabbled. She studied everything. Buddhist scripture, Hindu scripture, Christian scripture. She loved it all and she gave it to me, all of it to me. And I'm grateful for that too. And she traveled the world and really just understood Oh, right. You know, time is your most precious, the most precious thing that we have. It really is because you don't know. My dad, another one of his isms is you come with a number and you end with a number. What are you going to do with the dash? What are you doing? Sometimes people, sometimes people come and their dash is three years. Sometimes it's 93 years. Sometimes it's 50 years. You don't know. The question is, what do you do with your dash? Yep. How, how are you going to live? Because none of us, we all think we're going to live to 100. Okay, well, some people do. That's great. <laughs> Most of the time you don't. And time is really the only thing that we can't control, which is why we've talked about this many times of prayer and meditation. Yeah. And you love to get out in the ocean and you love to live your life. And with your challenges, with your everything that you've experienced in your life, I tell you this all the time and I'll say it right now. I commend you for it because you've helped so many people by simply sharing your story. And it's important for people so that people do not feel alone or ashamed by whatever their challenges are. As soon as someone comes out, someone else comes out and says, oh, I had that too. And here's what I did. And here's how I got sober. And here are the tools that I used. And hopefully one of these things will help you too. And I think it's very important that all of us kind of take off this coat of shame and just take it off. You know, we could just take it off because yeah. everyone's going through something. Yes. Everyone. I mean, we all see the guy on, you know, in the Ferrari and everyone, you know, with the pretty girl and everyone's thinking, I want that life until you don't know that guy might want to take that Ferrari and wrap it around a tree. Well, it's my, my favorite quote. In, in recovery ever that I learned a long time ago is never compare your insides to someone else's outside. It's my oh, favorite. I love that. It's a great one, right? That's a great one. 
There's another one I think for me that somebody told me your it's your best thinking that got you here. Yeah. Your best. <laughs> That's right. Yes. I used to say that to Ted's kids all the time. Yeah. Well, your best, best thinking, thinking got, got you here. here. So sit down, zip it. The, the other one I love as a kid of growing up with actual radio, as I know you yes. did, is uh, turn off that radio station that plays in your brain. K fuck. <laughs> Oh, that is good. Isn't that a great oh, one? Oh, that's a good one. But it's true. Turn off the radio station. Yeah. Turn, turn it off. off. Turn it off. Turn I, I have to off. say to myself sometimes when I'm going in a negative spiral, that movie's not playing anymore. Mm. When I go to the past, I have to say it out loud. That movie is it's no not. longer playing. It's over. Stop it. So when you, your this book is, is, it's the perfect thing for you to do. And Thank you. And I really, and I appreciate you telling that unbelievably painful story, but I think it's important because it frames the book in, yeah. in such a strong way. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, who, who wouldn't be interested in a book about that theme? But if there were to be a person, that framing of it is so would be so compelling and so universal. I think yeah. everybody would go, how did you do it? How right, did you get right. through that? Right. Well, because how are you still like functioning? functioning? You know what I, and also the book taught me, you know, grief, grief shows up to every single human being in different ways. That's we right. all grieve. You can grieve a breakup. You can, you, we all grieve. It could be, you know, a relationship. It could be a dog dying, your parent dying, your sister dying. Whatever it is, we all, you could, you could get let go from a job after 60 years and you thought that was your family. Whatever it is, grief is grief. Grief is grief. And it can, like, you, you can beat yourself up sometimes also on mm-hmm. something really small. Like, what? Yes. Like, I, I mean, I, when my first kid went to college, it was huge grief for me. And I wrote about it and, and, and like you have, yes. and people still share it when they send their kids yes. to school. But I was like, this is ridiculous. People send their kids to war. People have interminable, terminal diseases. Why am I so worked up about right. this? Grief doesn't care. It doesn't care. Grief is grief, period. Yeah. And it it shows up in different ways, like you said, for different people. And it surprises us in different ways. You know, your child goes to school. It's a great blessing. You can send your son yes. to school and you're completely losing it. I know. It's insane. Yeah. It makes no sense. But it's the heart and the beauty. You know, it, uh, my friend... Penny always tells me, you know, grief is the receipt uh, and the proof that you loved. That that is why you grieve. It, you 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 loved. You know, you you invested in someone in something, and you can't have grief without ha- loving, having loved something. That's that's the receipt. It's the proof. This is. You're going to, so many people are going to read this book now. I mean, this has been such a great talk. I love you so oh, much. Oh, I love you so this, much. This is, Thank you. This is the Thank day you I so laid much. eyes on you. I love you. In the you. club in the Beverly Center. I didn't know you'd grow up to be such a oh. thoughtful, wonderful. Oh. Um, this, is, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. I love you. Thank you. I appreciate it. What an amazing woman. What an amazing book. What a, just an attitude like that. To, what, what a gift. I'm so grateful to have friends like Nicole uh, in my life. And I'm really grateful that I was able to share her for a brief moment with you guys. Um, thanks for, for listening.
All right, just one more thing before we end today's episode. Let's check the lowdown line. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hey, Rob, it's Andrea Gage from Sacramento, California. And I was scrubbing the shower the other day, and all of a sudden it hit me. I wonder what kind of chores Rob Lowe likes or doesn't like. Maybe it was the first chore that you hired a professional to do for you. Or is it like that laundry really does relax you? Maybe some ironing? I don't know. That's my question for the day. Thanks for bringing such joy to your life. It um, brings joy to me too. Thank you. You are so nice. I First of all, there's a lot to unpack in there. I love so much about what I just heard. First of all, I love that the idea came to you in the shower. That's where all good ideas come to most people. That's where the question came. Love that. And I love the question. What an interesting, great question. Okay, a couple things. Disclaimer from the offset. I am one of the least handy people you will ever meet. I just didn't, I never had that in my upbringing. It's not, and I've, and I and actually, and I'm not kidding. I've had a lot of like guilt and like feeling less than about it. Really, I have. But I realized I wasn't raised in that world. Like, you know, my dad never like was like, here's how to fix a carburetor. At least it was not happening. Um, but I, and I think I probably would have been fine. You know, it's just something that wasn't in my, my world. But without a doubt, the thing, the chore I love more than anything is watering the yard. Like there's fresh sod out there to make making sure the sod is watered, plants watered. Super, it's like a meditational experience for me. And I'm outside, love being outside, being in nature. I love that. So gardening, you know, just pruning trees, that kind, that kind of thing is is amazing for me. Ironing, I'm not gonna lie, I don't do a lot of it myself. But like if I'm on the road or something in a hotel room. And I got a thing and I got to get the iron. There's something about it. My mom did teach me how to iron. She really did. She was great about that. So I know my way around that. And that's super fun. But um, what a great question. <laughs> I love that. Thanks thanks for asking. I hope, I hope that was a good answer. I hope the answer was as interesting as the question. Um, more to come next week as usual. And I will see you then on Literally. You've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe, produced by me, Nick Liao, with help from associate producer Sarah Bagar. Research by Alyssa Grawl, editing by Jerron Ferguson. Engineering and mixing by Rich Garcia. Our executive producers are Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Adam Sachs, Jeff Ross, and myself for Team Coco, and Colin Anderson for Stitcher. Booking by Deirdre Dodd, music by Devin Bryant. Special thanks to Hidden City Studios. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Literally with Rob Lowe. Building a stronger financial foundation? Good plan. Northwestern Mutual's Guide to Good Financial Planning can help you balance spending and saving, set goals, and start creating the life you want to be living. You'll learn how the tools in your financial plan reinforce each other to help you minimize taxes and offset potential risks. Grow your confidence by strengthening your finances today at northwesternmutual.com slash good plan. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin.